What a great time of uh, worship that was for us to observe together always. One of my very favorite things we do is when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together this morning was no exception to that. I want to invite you to turn your Bible this morning to Galatians chapter 5. We are studying about the fruit of the Spirit this summer. But once you get to Galatians 5, I would also encourage you, put a marker there, put your thumb there, do something, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as well, because we're going to begin in Galatians chapter 5 this morning, but we're also going to study a companion text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that helps us to focus particularly on this fruit of self-control. This summer we're studying the fruit of the Spirit, and this morning we come to the last of the fruit of the Spirit. This is the final fruit of the Spirit that we see in the list given to us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's read that together again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so this summer, beginning nine weeks ago now, week by week, we have focused on a different fruit of the Spirit. And the one thing that has been the common thread through each of these uh, fruits, if you will, fruit that we have studied, is that it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us to produce the fruit. So self-control, as this is referring to self-control, isn't something that we do naturally. It's not something that comes from us, but rather it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us, empowering us to, to live with self-control in a way that we would discipline our emotions, we would discipline our desires, we would discipline our feelings so that we are walking in, in obedience, in submission to the law of Christ and the, and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. What an important thing that is for us, that we can live by faith in, in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the promise of Jesus, but also empowered to live in the way that he's called us to live through the work of his Holy Spirit in us. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to spend a good amount of time this morning looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. While you're turning there, I want you to think about this. Think about an, an area in your life that you have to demonstrate self-control. If, if I were to ask you just sort of uh, casually, in, in casual conversation that had nothing to do with me preaching a sermon, but if I, if I were just to ask you, where's some place in your life that you have to demonstrate self-control? Probably for many of us, it has to do with something like uh, eating or exercise, right? Those are probably two areas where we commonly have to demonstrate self-control in our lives. I remember a time in my life, in my younger days, when I could literally eat anything I wanted to, and it felt like I was going to lose weight. Uh, it was ridiculous, right? And, and I long for those days again. They're long gone at this point. I have to be, uh, I have to be a grown-up now and, and live like a grown-up. But when I was 18 years old, I would, uh, I was a, a, a 
pretty skinny guy in those days. I mean, I'm not a real big guy now, but I was really skinny in, in those days. And, and I would take that uh, like whey protein, like muscle builder stuff, not because I was trying to get big and bulky because let's be honest, that was never in the cards for me, but just to try to put on some weight because I, I weighed, I graduated high school and I weighed probably about 120 pounds. And, and you know, what 18 year old young man wants to be as thin as a, I was trying to bulk up a little bit. And nowadays I can look at a piece of cake and, and the calories come on, right? It's like, it works completely different now, but we have to discipline ourselves. And for many of us, that's really practically speaking, where we think of exercising self-control. And no doubt, we do have to have self-control. We need to exercise self-control in what we eat and in, in exercise and those things because it, it's good for us. It's of, of good physical value, yes. But this morning when we think of self-control, I don't want our understanding to be so one-dimensional that you think that this is an instruction given to us just to keep us all thin and healthy, right? Now, is there a physical benefit to some of these things? Yes. If we, if we demonstrate self-control and, and if that takes its root in every area of our lives, it will show up in our health and those things as well. But this isn't, a, this isn't written to be a, an exercise program or a, a, a diet program for us, right? That's not, strictly speaking, the self-control that Paul writes about here. What he's talking about is that our desires, that our wants, that, that our, our will would be submitted to the Holy Spirit in such a way that we would, we would live in that place of submission or, or being yielded to the Spirit in us. And what I want us to see together this morning are five different things from this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that, that happen in our lives when we, when we discipline ourselves, when we live with the self-control that comes through the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. Five things that we see in this text, and, and so we're going to look to those this morning. But we'll begin just by reading the passage itself, and then we'll back up and, and work our way through and point each of these out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 19 and read through verse 27 together. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul's writing here about the, the, the balance of freedom and self-control. And that's what I want us to, to consider as we think about self-control this morning. How we are to balance self-control with the freedom that is ours in Christ. This morning, 
in Sunday school, if you were a part of our Sunday school groups and you studied through the self-control, there was an excellent lesson that Dennis Fredericks wrote about self-control, and you were studying a passage in Titus. And in that passage in Titus, what we see plainly is that self-control comes from the Lord, that it's, the, it's God's work. First of all, it's a product of faith, and then it's, it's, it's also a product of the Holy Spirit that we receive by faith that enables us to live with self-control. And as we live with self-control, and as we demonstrate this self-control that comes through the Spirit's working in our hearts, we see five things in this particular text that that it accomplishes in us. And so the first one is this, with self-control, we walk in the freedom of forgiveness. We walk in the freedom of forgiveness. When we demonstrate self-control through demonstrating self-control, the power of the Holy Spirit, we live in freedom. Now, the truth is, this is really, this is the opposite of how we are programmed to think about freedom. Because generally speaking, we think of freedom as casting off any kind of limitation, casting off all restraint. Generally speaking, when you think of freedom, when I think of freedom, we think of the idea that I'm autonomous, that I'm in control, that I can do what I want, that I have the ability. We we don't think of freedom in terms of boundaries or limits. And yet, The freedom that the gospel points us to, the freedom that Paul writes about here, is a freedom that is disciplined under the the boundaries, if you will, of the Word of God. Disciplined under the law of Christ that that we would submit ourselves and yield ourselves to what he even refers to here as the law of Christ in verse 21. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That's what he's talking about. The ultimate expression of our freedom is is not found so much in what we choose to do, but rather in what we choose not to do. When we live with freedom and we submit ourselves through, through our faith, when we submit ourselves to the law of Christ, when we submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ, and even especially for the sake of others, when we willingly submit ourselves so that others might reap the benefits, the blessing of knowing Christ and trusting my faith in the gospel. This is where real freedom comes into play. And I think the word walk, I've chosen the word walk as part of this point. I think the word walk that we see in Galatians chapter 5 is key because that word walk points us to the fact that there's, it, it's progressive in the sense that we keep going. We, we are walking by faith, meaning that it's a journey that we're on and that we, we continue to move. Now, at times we stumble and fall in this walk that we have with Christ. At times we, we, we trip ourselves up. At times we, we, we do. We, we give in to the temptation to sin. And, and that's a reality that we wrestle with in this side of creation. And yet, by God's grace, there's forgiveness for our failings and there's freedom in Jesus I think there are four important questions that we need to ask ourselves when we think about the freedom that is ours in Jesus. Because again, the freedom that we have in Jesus doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want at any point that you want. That means it's a disciplined freedom. Jesus has set you free from the penalty, the consequence of your sin, but now we're to live in a way that we are yielded to Christ. And so four questions that I often ask myself in thinking about the exercise of my freedom is, one, Does the Bible allow it? Two, does my conscience allow it? Third, does my weakness permit it? And fourth, does it benefit others? 
If you, if you want to know, well, how, how, can I, how am I to test the waters, so to speak? How do I know if this is something that I should participate in? How, is, how can I know if this is something that is helpful or beneficial to me? Or if, if there's freedom in Jesus, how do I know? Well, first of all, ask yourself the question, does the Bible allow it? Because if the Bible has strictly spoken and said, don't do this, then, then it's out of bounds, right? I mean, clearly it's, it's off limits. Or conversely, if the Bible has specifically said, do this, that we are to do certain things, then, then to not do those things would be sin. And so we have to ask ourselves, first of all, in this operation of my freedom, this exercise of my freedom, does the Bible allow? This? Secondly, does my conscience allow it? Because God will work through our conscience as well in order to, in order to uh, for, for us to live in this freedom that we have in Christ. And Paul even points to that here. Paul is speaking about certain things that he has the freedom to do. Now, specifically, he's talking about certain foods that he would eat. And his, his, uh, his desire to, to set a good example, to be a good witness. And so he willingly abstains from certain practices and certain foods and things that he, that he doesn't participate in because his desire is to exercise his freedom under under the discipline of his conscience to the work of the Lord. And so does, does the Bible allow it? Does his conscience allow it? Third, does my weakness permit it? In other words, am I able to practice this in a way that will not lead me toward temptation of sin? And then fourth, does it benefit others? Again, he specifically points to the fact here that he, to the weak I became weak, he says that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some and I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. It benefits others. Others are blessed. So with self-control, we walk in the freedom of forgiveness. We have forgiveness in Christ and we can operate and live in that freedom. Second thing that we see in this text is that with self-control, we follow Jesus' example how we should live. When we practice self-control, when we demonstrate self-control, we follow the example that Jesus set for us. Jesus himself chose to live with self-control. Jesus himself set the example for us, operating in self-control, not a, not a casting off of all restraint, not living without any boundaries, without any limitations, but rather living inside of the boundary of what would benefit others, what is honoring to the Lord. I think we see that clearly, at least I, I feel like we see it most clearly in the temptation of Christ, what we refer to as the temptation of Christ. We go to the gospel of Matthew and we see this story where Jesus is, he spends 40 days in the wilderness fasting and then, and then the enemy shows up, Satan shows up and he begins to tempt Jesus. And three different times he tempts Jesus with these, you know, with these various statements. If, if you're really the son of God, then cast yourself down from here. If you're really the son of God, you have the... And, in doing that, in tempting Jesus, we see Jesus respond with self-control. And what does he do to demonstrate? Well, he quotes the word of God. He looks to the, uh, the authority of the Lord in those situations. Jesus himself demonstrates self-control, and he points us to live with self-control. And so when we live with self-control, 
We follow the example that Jesus said. Here as a church, we, we've identified three key words. When we talk about self-control following the example of Christ, we've, we've identified three important words that we often use. One of those words is the word incarnational. Then in, in, in speaking of Jesus, we, we recognize Jesus' incarnation. In other words, that he was God in flesh. And just as Jesus became like us in order that he might ultimately pay the price for us, our desire is to be incarnational to the world around us. So for the community of people around us, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want, to, we want to be Jesus with skin on for people around us, that they would see Jesus in us, in our example, in the way that we live, so we become incarnational. A second word that we've identified is the word indigenous. Indigenous, which means that we are to, we are to reach the people around us. Yes, there are some people that God places a particular burden, a particular call on their life to go to, say, a, a, a foreign land, a foreign group of people, a, a people outside of their own, and to reach them with the gospel. Even just this last week, Brad Duncan and Claire Duncan were on a mission trip in Belize, and, it, and, and they come back, and they've got stories to tell of what God has done there. And yes, there is, there is a, a particular call that God will place on us to go and reach people. But understand this, every one of us is called to reach people in this community. Every one of us is called to reach those around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. When we think about, when we think about Chickasha and the surrounding area, you understand God's not sending someone else to win Chickasha because he's put us here to do that task. God is calling us and raising us. So we're to be indigenous. We're to reach those around us, reach our own, if you will, is another way to think of that. And finally, we've identified the word intentional. We want to be intentional about how we do this. That we are purposeful about ways to reach people around us with the gospel. So we're incarnational. We demonstrate the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. We are indigenous, meaning that we, we have to go out into this world, into our community. We can't isolate ourselves, separate ourselves in such a way that, that, that we can't reach people around us because we simply don't know them. We don't interact with them. And we're called to be intentional about how we do that. Purposeful. And so with the, with the, the exercise of our self-control, we follow Jesus' example because Jesus was each of these things. Jesus was incarnate. Jesus was indigenous. He came to a particular people in a particular place. He became one of them. And Jesus was intentional about everything that he did. We follow that example. Third thing that we see in this text is that with self-control, we receive the reward of righteousness. We receive the reward of righteousness. There is a reward. There is a blessing, a benefit that comes when we live in this righteousness of Christ. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its benefits, in its blessings rather. The blessing that comes is the righteousness that's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that comes, if we back up a few verses... In verse 20, Paul wrote, To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win more Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, 
that I might win those outside the law. Again and again, he's pointing to this simple truth. I exercise self-control in order that others around me might, might trust in Christ, might reap the reward, the benefit, the blessing, that reward of righteousness that comes. And so when we think about the freedom that is ours in Jesus, we want to, we want to operate in that freedom in such a way that our self-control would, would be a reflection of the example of Christ, and that in doing that, we are blessed. Because righteousness itself is its own reward. Righteousness itself is its own blessing. As we, as we live by faith in Jesus, with self-control, we receive the reward of righteousness. Fourth, we see that with self-control, we experience peace in every arena of life. Think about this. When you, when you exercise self-control, you have peace in, in your heart. There's spiritual peace, and that's the peace that comes through having a right relationship with God through faith. There's an emotional peace that comes as we, as we trust the Lord by faith, that emotional faith, meaning that we understand that even though there are a lot of things in this world that are outside of our control, even though we understand there are a lot of things in this world that, uh, that, that can be downright frightening and scary, we can have peace through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So there's a spiritual peace, there's an emotional peace, that we, there's a relational peace, peace between us and others around us, that our relationships themselves have peace because of the freedom that we have in Christ and combined with the exercise of self-control. Self-control yields peace in every arena of life. Why wouldn't we operate under the self-control that the Spirit produces in us, knowing that it leads to peace, which coincidentally is one of the other fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Love, joy, peace that we studied some weeks ago. And that peace infiltrates every area of our life, every area of our witness, every area of our heart when we operate by self-control. And finally, we see that with self-control, we point the lost toward faith in Jesus. There's sort of a progressive, a, a progressive reality here to these points. Do you see that? Through the exercise of self-control, we walk, in, we walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Through the exercise of self-control, we follow Jesus' example. So as we experience that forgiveness that's ours in Christ, and now we live according to the example that Jesus set, we reap the reward of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ produced in our hearts, which leads to peace in every arena of life. And the product of that is that we would point others toward faith in Jesus. I love how in these closing verses that we read, Paul says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. The, the wreath was the prize, right? That was the gold medal, if you will, in Paul's day. The, the prize given to the athlete who competed would have been the, the victory wreath. And Paul's saying that the victory that we have through faith, the righteousness that comes, the peace that it produces in our hearts, is one that will not tarnish or fade. It's imperishable. We receive that. We, 
are the beneficiary of that by faith, but then also others as well as we point others to Christ. So I don't run aimlessly, he says. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. May our exercise of self-control, may it point others to faith in Christ so that through our witness, through our example, we might, well, as he says, not be disqualified, and that through that righteousness, that's not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus, and through the peace that that produces in our hearts, may we point others to faith in Jesus. To the Jews, he writes, to those under the law, to those outside the law, to the weak, in other words, if you, were really to, if you were really to break that down, he's saying to everyone around me, when I live with self-control, then, then I am demonstrating Jesus or, or modeling the gospel for everyone around me to see. We are called to live with self-control, to exercise self-control, that we might point others to faith in Jesus Christ. This morning in a moment, we're going to move into a time of response. And even in our time of response today, I want to encourage you to consider, am I exercising self-control? Even as you think about this and you reflect upon this, maybe perhaps there's an area in, in your life that you know clearly, you know clearly, you don't even have to think about it very hard because perhaps it's something that you've struggled with, that you've wrestled with for some time. And you, and you can clearly identify where your need for self-control is because you think of a particular temptation or a particular thing that you wrestle against. Then this morning, can I encourage you that in prayer, you would make that an area that you're willing to surrender to the Lord. That you would say, God, I want to live in such a way that I am fully yielded to you, fully surrendered to you, and that I do that as an expression of my faith and my worship, surrendering my heart to you, trusting in you by faith as I, as I exercise self-control. Maybe, maybe you aren't particularly aware of where your need for self-control is. Then this morning, even may your response be just to pray. Lord, would you, would you show me where I should exercise self-control? Holy Spirit, would you convict me if there's an area of my life where I'm not yielding my heart, yielding my desires, disciplining myself for the sake of the gospel the way that I should so that we might discipline every area of our heart and our life. Jesus himself says in the gospels, and this is recorded in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. We are to walk in the way that Jesus walked. In other words, that's what it means that we would take up our cross, that we would follow Jesus' own example. And that doesn't mean that we literally are to die on a cross the way Jesus did. We understand that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that we are to follow in his footsteps. We are to follow the example that he's given us. Jesus demonstrated self-control. He's called us to operate with self-control. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, we are able to exercise self-control as we discipline ourselves to live by faith. My prayer this morning is that we would be people who operate 
in the self-control that comes through freedom in, by faith in Jesus. This morning, as we move into this time of response, I would encourage you to consider how it is that you need to demonstrate self-control in your life. Would you bow your heads with me? And in prayer, as we come to the point of response, we come to the moment of invitation, would you be willing to ask the Lord, even as I've just isn't as I've just said, Lord, would you show me, Holy Spirit, would you convict me of an area in my life where I need to demonstrate self-control as I'm trusting in you by faith and living in the freedom that comes by faith. Lord, move in our hearts today. Help us to operate under the freedom that is ours through faith in you. As we trust in you for the forgiveness of our sins, we turn from the, the, the self, turn from the flesh, turn from trusting in ourselves and, and, and following our own desires, but instead, as we look to you, Holy Spirit, help us to exercise self-control as a function of faith as you move in us and stir in our hearts. Point us to faith in Jesus and use the life that we live by faith to point others to Jesus as well. This we ask in your name. Amen.